Tough night for the Browns. They lose to the Steelers. I think it's 20 straight regular season games on the road they've lost. They did win that playoff game in Pittsburgh. But, boy, what a tough one. You lose a star player. Let's talk to Nick Wilson, 92-3, up in Cleveland. Does drive time with our buddy Dustin Fox. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. I'd like to thank you. You know, it was uh, it was the day after the Tate-Labianca murders, and they were invited on uh, Good Morning America, and that's what this feels like today. Oh, boy. It's, it's, you know, it's it's weird with this Browns fan base, and I really hope, I, I really do cheer for them because they've been suffering for so long. But, boy, such a high from beating the Bengals yet again, and they were a favorite, two-and-a-half-point favorite going into Pittsburgh. Tons of momentum, and it's like someone peed in their Cheerios overnight. Yeah, and it's funny, like, the loss was bad enough. It, it was, but that Nick Chubb injury, and uh, we can just fire Minka Fitzpatrick into the sun, that cheap bastard. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to see the player that everybody rallies around in Nick Chubb have what could be, I mean, given his age and given, you know, the history with that knee, what could eventually be a career ender or a career shortener, uh, nothing felt right, no matter how good things got after that moment in that game. That if Today we were talking about a win. I'll be honest, Tord, I don't know that I'd be that much more cheery given that injury. Yeah, and, and Kevin Stefanski said after the game it was significant. Obviously, when you look at it, you replay it, he's out for the year. But you're right, The Fitzpatrick hits him low. They wouldn't show the replay on TV, but you can find clips of it everywhere in slow-mo. It just bent wrong. It looked bad when he landed. Uh, And and what is this for him? Is this the second, third knee surgery? I think this one is the second on that knee. Okay, and and then he had another one. Yeah, the the first one I think was in 2015, and it was was everything in the knee. So I, I would assume that this is very similar to that injury given. I mean, it, you know what it reminds me of? Willis McGahee in the national championship game, the way that it bent and the way that it just kept bending. That, I had flashbacks to that, watching that on the giant screen TV at the Highland Theater in Akron uh, as Ohio State eventually pulled off the national title win. Yeah, and Jerome Ford played well when he came in, but is this a team that you're trying to salvage the season – it's, you know, you're one and one. Joe Burrow might be out for a few weeks in Cincinnati. Do you try to pick up a Leonard Fournette? Does Kareem Hunt come back, or do you keep status quo? Well, I think you have to find somebody to run in between the tackles. They just kept doing that with Jerome last night, and it, it was it, it, there was a little run of success early in the fourth quarter. But that's just not who he is. Yeah. You saw him. He's a guy that he bounces out wide and he can make magic happen. So I don't think he or um, Pierre Strong Jr. are up-the-middle kind of guys. So wh- whether it's Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt or even, honestly, just bringing back the Ernest Johnson, they need somebody that can have success between the tackles. Um, whether that's a huge part of the game plan or not, simply to go ahead and establish and allow guys like Jerome to get outside. You know, I mentioned, and I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I think it's pretty, you know, I wasn't the only one with this take. But when when you're a player outside of Michael Jordan and you sit out a year and a half and then you're trying to play in the NFL, is th- when you look at it and you've seen every play, you've seen every snap. I haven't. I've just, you know, see, you know, half of what he's done. But with Deshaun Watson, is this the best we're going to see 
And and I'm sure it's because he hasn't played. He didn't play. He had that long layoff. But is there a hope in Cleveland that all right, he's just knocking the rust off? Um, I think last night was the first night that a majority of us looked around and said, "This might be as good as it gets." And that you know, you combine that with a Chubb injury, and it was like you know, two massive kicks to the pillbox at the same time. Um. I'll, I'll be honest with you, that game was, was there. It, it did not require a lot for Deshaun Watson to win the game. No, it didn't. Uh, kudos to Pittsburgh, and they did a great job all night abusing, especially Jedrick Wills, who is just god-awful. I just, I mean, good God, how do I get 11 years of losing with Joe Thomas only to watch Jedrick Wills piss away every good moment and every possibly good moment? I'm sorry, I blacked out. But <laughs> specific to Deshaun, like, he needed to make a couple simple plays, and he couldn't even do that consistently. And he had – there were at least two opportunities, at, you know, seven minutes to go in that fourth quarter. There were countless opportunities in the third and fourth quarter alone. And to see him – not only – guys, it, it's not just that you lost and you played like crap. Um, to see him lose his composure with the face mask penalty and push the referee, which I'm assuming we're going to hear about, if not a suspension, a significant fine for Deshaun. Um, I, I, I hope that was not Deshaun's real character coming out last night. But I'll tell you, when that team needed it most, that dude folded emotionally. And I think it's because he's starting to feel the pressure. And that can only compound things and make it worse now that you don't have Nick Chubb to fall back on. Yeah, Nick Wilson's with us, 92-3 up in Cleveland. So is there any thought, and I think Dewan Jones has been pretty good, uh, and I know uh, Conklin's out, so you need a right tackle. But has there been any thought? Listen, we know Wills is not going to be the future at left tackle. Has there been any thought of maybe moving Jones to left tackle because he could be your guy for the next ten years? So I think there was a thought. I think I think the hope is that you get you know five, six, seven games into the season and you reassess your tackle situation because Dewan Jones went from a dude fighting for a roster spot to maybe being a future, like, gigantic cog on your offensive line. I think the problem is now that, you know, Dewan can't work on it on the side because he has to start at right tackle, I think it's probably going to be a conversation for next offseason. So uh, just because trying to juggle uh, tackle, switching sides of the field. Rookie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to ask for. Now, uh, don't sleep on the idea of James Hudson swapping in for Jedrick Wills if it continues to look like last night. Because I've never seen a dude in Jedrick Wills go from looking like I'm going to be a passable starting tackle in the NFL for the next decade to being a dude who looks like the next Juwan Taylor or Greg Robinson, a guy that everybody can see as talented, but quite frankly just doesn't have the it factor and just doesn't have, uh, quite frankly, the balls to be a great left tackle. Well, it's funny because you brought it up before I did. The next thing I was going to say to you is, dude, you guys need a left tackle. But, you you know, obviously, I mean, you watch that game. You you know what's going on. And you got a great offensive line coach, too. Hey, what's the – with Kevin Stefanski, and I never – you know, I'm a Vikings fan, but I told every Browns fan, you just hired, like, the hot assistant. And that really annoys me with NFL coaches. It's just – a team will get success, and then you'll hire a guy and then jump on the hot assistant coach. With Stefanski, is it playoff or bust, and he's out of there? Or does he maybe, if you're 9-8, and eight, get another shot? 
So I, I actually do tend to believe the organization when they say they really like Kevin Stefanski and believe in Kevin Stefanski. But if you don't make the playoffs this year, um, even 9-8, and eight, after what we saw the first two games, I think they're going to be looking for a fall guy. Uh, listen, the reality is Baker Mayfield two years ago was a fall guy for a disappointing year and for a disappointing offense. Um, I think last year it was guys like Jadavian Clowney. That, that was the big, bad, evil, right? Yeah. There's no excuses. This is this is the year where Deshaun either has to look like he's worth the investment or uh you got to be in the playoffs and 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 not I'm like I think making the playoffs is a great thing but the only true way to to give yourself a chance to to build off something is to even get a, another playoff win. Um but I got to tell you man, last night I I felt like I was watching Crestwood High School up here in Northeast Ohio again. It, I mean, I, I, there were drives where I thought to myself, is, does Kevin Stefanski want to win this game? Um, and think back to late in that game where the first down play was uh, incompletion. You can't do anything about that. And second and 10. So second and long, you've got a three-point lead. And he gets a Deshaun carry. And it's, it's Deshaun out of the shotgun. There was a quick play that broke down. And the second, uh, the second read of the play was tuck the ball and run. The problem is Pittsburgh had seven guys at the line of scrimmage. You had to have known that was what, like, Pittsburgh had seven guys at the line of scrimmage all night. And Kevin Stefanski, late in the game with the lead, had maybe the dumbest play call I've ever seen. And that's the play that as Deshaun was going out of bounds, all of a sudden it's a face mask. So, um, And you've you know, had Alex won- Van Pelt has called plays. Well, and and honestly, Kevin is so tied to the idea of keeping play calling. I think the reason he is, I, I think, I honestly think it's a career move. I think he's trying to conserve the, well, you know what? It's not working. We're going to go with AVP. And I think he's going to use that as a card to buy himself more time. Gotcha. And if that is the case, it's a shame. It because is. Because he's wasting everybody's time. Nick Wilson's with us, 92-3 up in Cleveland. Hey, last one for you. Uh, through all this, the Baker years, now, Stefanski. One guy's remained with power. How does Paul D. Podesta, does he have naked pictures of the Haslams? What's going on there? I mean, uh, I'm not a Moneyball fan. I'm not a fan of, I've seen what it's done to, in Minnesota. I saw 1-31 in 31 with the Browns. I'm just not a big fan of Moneyball. I think there's a spot for it in football, but I think there's just too much Paul D. Podesta with the Browns. Well, my favorite thing is if you ask anybody what he does, they talk about him as if he's some sort of Svengali or guru. Like, Paul's just in there to help with decision-making, and he's just help, helping, you know, you know, our process and making sure our process is where it needs to be. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. They've had one winning season since the Schmo joined the front office in 2015. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious. Okay, process-oriented, but isn't this a results-driven business? So, yes, I don't know what Paul Deep – I've seen him run in Berea a couple times around the facility. So, he's, he's got good cardio. I've seen that. <laughs> as far as I can tell, working out the old ticker is about as much as I've seen Paul Deep Podesta do. Wow. Well, uh, thanks for getting up early, man. Really appreciate it. Would you like to talk about any other trauma in my life? <laughs> my dad has been dead for a decade. If you'd like to rehash that, maybe next time. No, well, you have three girls, too. Oh, well, I mean, another kick in the nuts here before I go. Yeah, no problem, buddy. I'm here for you. All right, thanks, buddy. Anytime, bud.